0: Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. I had an interesting experience. Yesterday, on uh, Friday night, I was asked to go and cover a uh, Blackhawk girls basketball game in Albany, and when I got there, um, they have a pretty small parking lot, even for limited attendance that they're having right now, and I parked on the street, and their school is kind of up on a hill, so I parked my truck out on this hill, and I put the e-brake on, because that's what you do. It was kind of, It was snowing pretty hard when I got there, and so I put the... E-brake on, and I'm there on the, on the hill, and I thought as I did it, I better remember to take that thing off when I, when I leave, because sometimes you forget those things. So uh, yesterday, I had to come to the building and clear the sidewalk and do a couple things to get ready for today, and I'm backing out of my driveway, and there had been some fresh snow falling overnight, and so I'm backing out, and I backed out about three feet, and I, my car just stopped. The truck just stopped. Wouldn't go anywhere. And I thought, well, maybe there's some fresh snow back there I didn't know, or some of it had hardened up, and I just hit it, so I pull forward, and I adjust, and, and finally I gave it enough gas. I got it over the, the snow and out into the street, drove up to the building. Truck had a weird trimmer to it, and I just had some work done, you know, replaced some spark plugs and coil packs, so it shouldn't be missing like that. That really concerned me. Parked here at the church, came in, did my thing, got ready to leave, started to back out of the spot I parked in, and boom, stopped again. What in the world's going on? I pull forward, pull back again, about three or four feet, and boom, it stops. And I thought, that's weird. It's almost like, it's almost like my brakes are engaging. And then I remembered. I'd driven all the way back from Albany and all around yesterday with the e-brake still on. And I'd forgotten about it. I don't know if it did any damage. I disengaged it and everything's fine. It seems to be. But sometimes we get into our routines and into our everyday lives. We go about our business and we forget certain things. We lose track of things. And some of the things we forget are our own history. The things that make us who we are. And we're driving around in this life hindered and held back. ...because we've forgotten something that we once did. We're not living up to our full potential... ...because we've forgotten something that's important. Last week I mentioned we're going to start a a series here for a few weeks... ...regarding our identity. Our identity both as Christians and as as a church. We have very distinct identities... ...and sometimes we forget them and forget why we have them. And so we want to have kind of a dual focus in this study looking at both Christianity as a faith and as a people called to that faith and what it is that makes us different in the broader religious world. What it is that makes us different than just any other faith that might be preached in this world. And we're also going to focus in a little bit on our own faith tradition in the churches of Christ and look at who we are and what our history is there. Not so much as it pertains to defending uh, a name, But as it pertains to how we got to where we are, we can't really know where we're going unless we know where we've been. And there are some things that we do, and I remember growing up, we used to have a a class. Usually in the youth group class, there'd be a class called, Why Do We Do What We Do? And we'd talk about things like acapella worship and the Lord's Supper and baptism and and the gender roles in church. and, And we would talk about the scriptural defense for each of those things. And that was good. It was good to understand those things. But more so than just understanding why we do what we do, I want us to understand who we are and what our history is in this specific faith tradition because it's those things that set us apart. Not that make us better than anybody, but they've been arrived at in a very specific way. And recapturing that identity and that essence is going to be important into understanding who we are and to carrying forward this message that we've been entrusted with. The old paths that some people speak of uh, that we want to seek to return to the gospel, to return to the scriptures, because that's a, a founding part of who we are. Those old paths sometimes are not as old as we think. We need to go back even further and understand the origins of where our movement has come from, because it offers us some really great blessings. It's some very important things that have developed in how we carry out our gospel mission. And so we're going to focus on those the next few weeks. But today we're going to talk broadly about Christianity, about a faith in Jesus Christ, and about the people who hold that faith, and what it is that makes us special and different. Because we live in a world that is fractured along so many lines. Tribalism has become the operating principle of our world. We see it in our politics, we see it in uh, our our everyday um, interactions with people, we see it on uh, Sundays or even last night uh, when we're watching football. We see tribalism invading our culture and we see it in the world of faith. I am this kind of uh, religious person, I'm that kind of religious person. We divide along those lines within Christianity and we'll get to that in a few weeks, but We also divide along those lines in this world. There are many different views, many different beliefs, many different histories, many different faiths. But we believe, and we're here today because we believe that there is one that is the truth. And that's honestly why we're here. And we can be as as progressive and and liberal in our thinking and in our treatment of other people as we wish to be. And that's wonderful to treat people with kindness and with compassion. But at the end of the day, we're here because we believe that this is the right one. We believe we've got it right. And I think it's okay with the proper attitude to believe that. That there is one answer and one way that we can come in contact with the actual being that created the world, the universe, and everything in it. That is what sets us apart in some ways. And if we look at the history of God's people, we see a story develop. We're a part of that story. We're a part of a story that began at creation when God formed man. And he put man in paradise, in this wonderful place. You know, we talked about prayer a while back and how difficult and challenging that can be. Can you imagine living in the garden? Living in the garden where if you wanted to talk to God, well, every evening he comes and he walks through here. We can just walk along with him and talk to him. And learn things and and ask questions. Wouldn't it be great if God just took a walk with us the way he did in the garden? Well, the garden wasn't going to last very long. Probably wasn't even intended to. That was the paradise that man was given. And that is the paradise that ever since mankind has been looking for. Reaching back for. Because man was expelled from the garden for his sin. Man was not only cast out, but there was a guard placed there to keep him from ever coming back. And that thus began the story of man's toil on this earth and the struggle and the pain and the misery that this life can hold for us. And the story develops that God looks down and he begins to lead his people and to shape his people and to call his people. And that people are the Israelites and he delivers to them a promised land. Clearly, I'm paraphrasing. I've got 66 books to get through here, so you've got to kind of take a few skips. But he calls them to a promised land. He offers it to them, and guess what? They still fail. They lose the law. They lose contact with God. And eventually, God fulfills all of his promises by sending his son, and they don't recognize him either. And we now, even today, are a part of that story And we're a part of that story for one of the specific reasons that makes us so different. When we ask the question, why is Christianity different than other faiths? One of the aspects of our difference is that this is a faith that is open to all. Look at Romans. Look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Paul says, so then as through one transgression, he's talking about the garden, There resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, that's Jesus, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as though the one man's disobedience, uh, through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. I don't know if you're aware of this, but one of the things that makes us fundamentally different is that we have a faith... ...that is open to all people. God didn't just even suggest it. He made it very specific and clear. He gives Peter and Cornelius... ...a Jew and a Gentile... ...both a vision that leads them... ...to one another. Peter sees a vision on the housetop in Acts... ...and here comes a sheet... ...down from the heavens. Now... ...I I don't know if you can fathom such a thing... ...but Peter's never tasted bacon. Okay... Boy, it's it's a rough life if you've never tasted bacon. But Peter has always kept the law, and he specifically kept the part of the law that governed what they could and couldn't eat. And here comes this sheet down, and on this sheet are all these animals, and some of them are not what he's allowed to eat. And the voice of the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, no, 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 I've never had a pork chop, and I don't intend to start now, because that is what the law says. And the Holy Spirit reminds him, hey, Things are different now. The power of Jesus Christ and his blood that we have faith in tells us that it is so great it overcomes the sin not just of the Jew who failed to keep the law but of the Gentile who never had the law in the first place. And Paul affirms this teaching in his letter to the Roman church. And from the moment that sheet descended from heaven and Peter found Cornelius and he preached to him the gospel and he baptized his family even as so much as it was uh, an operation of their faith to be saved, it was also a proof from the Holy Spirit and from God that all are welcome in the family of our Lord. We're here today because that sheet came down. Isn't that wonderful? It's beautiful. That's why we are gathered here. That's why we have a faith, and that's why we're different. Our faith, Our belief is not limited to one ethnicity, one nationality, one class of people, or one race. We are only limited by our ability to accept the gospel and to understand who Jesus was. And we are only limited by how we limit ourselves in sharing it. One of the primary things that makes us different is that this faith is open to all. We also have an evangelistic faith. Another thing that makes us different, there are other religions that are evangelistic in in their faith in, in some regard, but many of the world religions are simply limited to the family you were born in and the place you were born in and you just are what you are. It is Christianity that stands as one of the rare faiths in this world that takes an evangelistic approach. We are not interested in simply having a faith or a religion and keeping it to ourselves. We're interested in sharing it with those who will listen. And it comes from the very foundation. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now there's upwards of 7 billion people in this world today. And all of them have been entrusted to us and those who share our faith to be evangelized, to be taught, to be offered this message into all the world for the rest of time. That's what Jesus said. If you're paraphrasing the Great Commission, go into all the world for the rest of time. And you're not going alone. He's with you. Because it was his directive. It's called the Great Commission. But it's really the parting words of Jesus. His final words on this earth to his people were, don't keep it to yourself. Now that stands in stark contrast to the rest of the religious world where they receive the message and in many in many ways, it is, no, 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 this is just for you. Hold on to it. Keep it to yourself. Practice it. Perfect it. And receive whatever blessing comes from it. But there's not an emphasis on evangelism in other religious viewpoints as there is in ours. And And those like it. There are others. But ours is among the foremost where this is a directive. Go teach the good news. There are others that might say, hey, go, go suggest this to someone, but if they don't like it, just kill them. That, that's been a part of world history and still continues to be in some faiths. Or maybe offer this to someone if they don't want it, who cares? No, this is instruction. That makes us very different. We are open to all and we are evangelistic. Those are two key elements of what make us different among the world's religions and faiths. And finally, The thing that makes us different, and we're talking in broad fundamentals here, right? The final thing that makes us different is what Travis read, John 3.16. Now, that is a verse that we memorize from the youngest age in Sunday school class. It's it's one of the most quoted Bible verses, even in the secular world. John 3.16 is known. It's made its way into pop culture in different areas. But John 3.16 is fundamentally important to who we are. Because it actually encapsulates all three of these points. That we are open to all, that we are evangelistic, and that the third point, God, came down to us. See, in our faith and in our story, God made us. He made us because he wanted something to have a relationship with. Now, I don't pretend to know everything there is to know about the supernatural and the world that we can't see, but God dwells in heaven... And he is surrounded by his people, those who also dwell in heaven, the angels. But it seems like the angels aren't like us. They are eternally dwelling with him, but they too could be fallible. We have evidence of that. But there was nothing that was provided for them that they could be saved. We're we're kind of more important to God than they are. That's one of the sources of conflict. In the traditional thinking of Satan being a fallen angel, there is the belief that Satan was jealous of how God looked at man and what God was planning to do for man, and he rejected that notion and led a rebellion in heaven against God, which failed and lost him his place near the throne. And if you accept that view, then that, that would stand to reason when we see him again in Job, And he comes to God and he says, I don't think that these people you created are worth what you're planning to do for them. If you take good care of them, they praise you and they love you. But if you took that all away, I don't think they would be as kind. And God says, I'm willing to take that bet. And he bets on Job and his faith. And he takes everything away from him or allows it to be taken away from him. And Job, through the through all of this frustration and this grief, in the end, is faithful to God. He does not reject God. He does not renounce his faith. He stands true. And all that he lost and more was given back to him, and Satan failed in his understanding of human nature as it relates to our connection to God. And that's the attitude that we see demonstrated by the evil one when he interacts with us. That's the message he's trying... You know, when I was little growing up, I thought... The message of Satan was to try and get me to mess up. He was going to put things in my path to tempt me and to get me to turn away from God and do bad things. I've learned as I've grown older and continue to grow older that the message of Satan is not, hey, do something bad. The message of Satan is you're not good enough. You're not close to good enough. You think God's going to take you? Please. You're not good enough. You don't deserve what he did for you. Satan whispers these lies, sometimes screams these lies at us to distract us from the gift that was Jesus Christ. That's the heart of our gospel. That's the heart of our message. It's the heart of our faith that we were worth what God did. And in John three sixteen, that message is clear. For God so loved the world. In other words, this is how God loves you. This is the way God loves you. Here's how God demonstrates his love that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall inherit eternal life. There's a gift waiting for us. There's a reward waiting for us. And what does it take to get it? A belief and acceptance of his son, the sacrifice that we were important enough to receive. And throughout Parts of the New Testament, the writers talk about this. That you matter that much to him that he would give his son for you. God is combating that lie of Satan that says you're not good enough. Because if we open our eyes, the evidence is clear. We are more than worth it to him because he paid for us with his son, with Jesus. John 3.16 is... It's like one of those songs that gets overplayed on the radio, and after a while you get tired of it and you don't want to hear it anymore, and it begins to fall out of popularity. John 3.16 has become a bit of a cliche, and that's very unfortunate. We should be quoting it, thinking of it, writing it on our hearts. It should be what we wake up to and what we go to bed to. It is the key theme of our faith, and it is the key element that makes us so different. In most other world religions, there is a deity or a higher power or multiple higher powers. And what they do, well, maybe they shape the world or create the world or they build a world that we live in. And the origin stories of man vary from religion to religion. All of them follow about the same pattern. But they diverge at a certain point. You have the deity, you have the God, and you have his creation his or, or human beings and how they came to be. And then... And then they fall out of favor in some way or another or there's some separation and in most other faiths the higher power of the deity says here's what you need to do to get up here to be with me here's what you need to do to achieve eternal life or nirvana or perfect uh, peace in your life or whatever it is they're teaching how to get the reward means you've got to come up to where that higher power is what does our story say God loved you enough that he took the thing that mattered the most to him, his son, and he let him be killed for you. Our story is not a higher power that, con- that, that looks at us and asks us to come up. Ours is a higher power that condescends and comes down to be with us. We're studying the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings on our live stream Bible study. And one of the themes of that gospel is that Jesus is God. And John begins that gospel with stating, in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. He was with God in the beginning. And there was nothing that's happened in this entire story that didn't happen without Jesus. He was there all the way. And everything we read, we talk about the Bible, we say, well, that's the word of God, right? No, the word of God is Jesus. What's been revealed to us in scripture is, serves the purpose to point us toward Jesus. How, how, how are we saved? How are we brought to be with God? How do we have a relationship with him? Well, we find out that by reading about Jesus. And we find out about Jesus by following the road map that scripture provides to get to him. We're not reading the word of God. We're reading a road map that gets us to the word of God. And that word is Jesus. And he was given to us. Then he was sacrificed for us. Because God loves us, and that is far different from the other faiths in this world, the other religions in this world that say you've got to do something to get to that higher power and to maybe receive a reward from what amounts to a benevolent dictator. But our God is different. He made you, he formed you, and he put you down here, and he said, Now I want to be with you. And I know that you've got some problems and I know you've got some weaknesses and I know you've got some shortcomings that are going to prevent you from being with me. So I'm going to come down there. He doesn't meet us halfway. We can't even get halfway. He comes all the way to our doorstep and delivers a path that we can follow to be with him. Sometimes with the tribalism of this world, with the loud shouting that goes on between all the different sides of all the different issues of all the different conflicts, we feel like maybe we're lost in the shuffle. We're just another voice of many. What do we have to offer this world that is continually more and more fractured and more and more distracted? You know, uh, it's interesting. I'm a, I'm a kind of a, a history buff and particularly uh, I really enjoy the history of, of different media. I like reading books about television history and film history and how different things came to be and the stories of how how all that transpired. It's really interesting how much that world has changed. Uh, It used to be that if you had a successful television show in the United States, for instance, it was successful uh, when you had a number of like 10 or 15 million people watching. You know, the Tonight Show back in Johnny Carson's heyday, that's what they were doing in ratings. Because there were only four channels, you didn't have much choice. And so everybody was watching the same thing. Today, how does a show, a television program, measure its success? Well, it's not by numbers in the tens of millions anymore. It's maybe in the single-digit millions, depending on the outlet that they're transmitting through. We measure success differently because the world around us has changed. We fall into that temptation a lot with our faith because there are many, many more voices now than there once were. And at the very least, those voices are more amplified than they once were because technology has made the world smaller. And so increasingly, we find ourselves not the voice crying out in the wilderness, but the voice crying out among the crowd. We feel lost and we lose our motivation because... Maybe the numbers aren't what they used to be, but we have to redetermine how we measure success. Success is found in what makes us different than those voices. We re-energize our evangelism by understanding that we have something different to offer. Faith is not a commodity. Religion is not a commodity. I studied this in, in my economic training that there are certain things out there that have little to no differentiating value. When you go to the store and you go to buy apples, apples are apples and they cost what apples cost. When you go to the gas station to pump your fuel, gas basically costs what it costs. There's a few minor market forces there, but they, it's a commodity. There's nothing that differentiates it. And I fear that Christians have fallen into the trap of thinking that faith is a commodity. The religion is just a commodity. There's so many options out there and so many things people turn their attention to that maybe we feel like we're just one of many and we lose hope and we lose motivation and we feel discouraged. We're not a commodity. We have a differentiating value. We have something that makes us special and unique and there is no other faith in this world that can lay claim to what we can lay claim to. We have a message that is open for all mankind. We have a a message that we have been given and told to share with all mankind. And that message is this. You were made by a loving God. You are watched over by a loving God. You are cared for by a God that wants a relationship with you so much that he paid the ultimate price to make it happen. That makes us starkly different than the world around us. And from that basic premise has sprung the church. In the book of Acts, we read about the beginnings of this body, this this family on earth that was bound together by a common union in Jesus Christ. As time has gone on, even that union itself has become fractured. It's found differences, different approaches, and different perspectives. Some we might judge better than others, and some that we might uh, feel more comfortable with than others. But at the core, what we are collectively is something that is different than anything else on earth. In the coming weeks, we'll look at some things that make us specifically different and how those might uh, be things that we can lean on to further our mission of sharing the gospel. What makes us different and what makes us special and what gives us an advantage in this cacophony of voices of religion and faith. As we talk about those things, understand them in the proper context. They are part of the larger picture that the Bible presents us of the family of God. And if you take nothing else from these weeks of, of messages, take this. You're different. You're special. You're unique in this world because of your faith. You are not just like anybody else who believes in something, because you believe in something that is stronger more complete and more confirmed than any other faith that exists. And you should take great joy in that. And let let these next few weeks be a few weeks of rediscovering our past, rediscovering our history, rediscovering where we've come from and remembering the things we've done. I promise you, your car will drive better if you take the e-brake off. Our church will be more successful and efficient If we remove the things that hold us back, and oftentimes what holds us back is forgetting. Forgetting who we are, forgetting where we've been, and forgetting how special and unique what God has given us is. If you're struggling to remember why you're special... If you're struggling to remember why you are unique and what God has called you to, maybe that has led you astray. Maybe that has caused you to divert from the path that God intended. If you want to get back on that path, that's why we're here. That's why we are together, because we can share that journey with one another and pray for one another. And if you want to step onto that path in faith, giving your life to Jesus Christ in baptism, that opportunity is always available for you, and especially right now. Jonathan's going to lead us in a song, and if you have a need that you'd like to make known, you may do so at this time. Jonathan. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at monrowwicoc at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, We look forward to you joining us next week.